The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B., and you're listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Now, as most of you know, when mass shootings take place, everybody blames the gun. Well, not everybody, but people who don't know any better blame the gun, and they decide, you know what, if we had less guns, this would be better. We wouldn't have any mass shootings. People would be nicer to each other. Yeah, well, that's not the truth. So, And, and it's crazy because this stuff has been happening in grocery stores and malls. I mean, just places where people go every day. And now it looks like it appears as if some of these retailers are realizing that having a gun-free zone is not the way to protect their patrons, protect their customers, protect their clients. The only way to do that is to have actual protection. So this is a story that says, yeah, um, there's places that are now hiring armed security guards. Now, you won't think, oh, my God, it's a gun-free zone. Why would they hire armed guards? Well, apparently they realize somebody having a gun is going to be better than nobody having a gun if somebody decides to break the law. So this is a trend now that they're seeing that all these um, – the debate nationwide is raging on about, oh, whether we need less guns, more guns, and who needs to have the guns. Well, let me tell you something. <clears throat> Most of the politicians in Washington's have armed guards at their side. They have protection, whether it's, you know, Nancy Pelosi's Secret Service or whether it's just some senator with private security protection. They've got their protection, and I guarantee you their protection is armed and armed well and probably armed beyond what the regular citizen in America can have because they consider themselves the elite royalty and you are just a peasant to them. But now apparently there's over a 100% increase for demand in armed security guards at grocery stores, according to one staffing service. They said they're getting – they work with a lot of the biggest uh, retailers and shopping malls and grocery stores, and they say the demand for secu- armed security guards has doubled since 2021 to 2022. So in the last year, it has gone up by twice. Now, this is also a matter of other factors coming into play. Like all the cities who don't prosecute shoplifters or don't, uh, you know, don't stop anybody from committing violent acts and they allow them to just run rampant all over the retailers. These retailers are getting to the point where they want, they're pushing back. They want to be able to secure themselves because the police won't come. Oh, did they steal more than $900? Oh no, then we don't even respond to that. They can steal five, six, seven, eight hundred and ninety-nine dollars. And there'll be no res- no police response necessary to that. So these stores are having to take, they're having to be their own first responder. Which, you know, and, and they talk about, you know, less guns or more guns is the wild, wild west. Well, look at this. Less guns is turning into the wild, wild west because those who have the guns are using them illegally. They're, you know, acting violently. It's crazy. But that's what it's taking to make other people realize the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Now, I would hope these security guards have training and know what they're doing. Now, I imagine an armed security guard has better training than an unarmed security guard, obviously. So I'm hoping that's going to be the thing. Now, having an armed security guard is not an end-all, be-all because they usually can't be everywhere. And besides, if anybody was intent on doing harm to people in the store, that is their very first target is the armed security guard. Where do they shoot him, disarm him, disable him, whatever it takes to make their 
act of violence easier for them and more effective for them, they're probably going to do that. That's why you know a lot of off-duty cops will not wear their uniform outside the precinct when they're done with their shift because they don't want to be a target. If they're somewhere at the Waffle House having breakfast or something, they don't want to be in that uniform if they're not on duty because they know that draws violence to them in a way that shouldn't be, especially nowadays with the disrespect for a lot of police officers is out there. And these people just, you know, it's a complete lack of respect for law enforcement and what they do. Now, granted, yes, not all officers are 100% up and up. They're not all legit. But you don't criticize all of them for the acts of a few bad people. Just like with with the uh, terrorists, you don't criticize all people of one religion because a few bad apples, right? You want us to follow that idea there, ideology there, so let's do the same thing for everybody else as well. Let's not criticize all police officers for the bad actions of a few. Same thing with people with guns, armed citizens. Most of them are all very responsible. They take that responsibility seriously, and if they have a permit, they usually try and be extra careful with what they do in following the law. So this is something that's that people are starting to realize that they need to be their own first responder, and these grocery stores, these retailers are realizing the same thing. We have... A duty to protect our patrons, our our uh, our customers. Now, I also wonder. This was not stated in here. I would like to ask some of these larger retailers how they feel about citizens who have a permit and the right to carry a weapon carrying one into their stores. I mean, that's something that uh, has not been asked. Because here they find good guys with guns stop bad guys with guns. We know that. That's what it takes. But. The problem is, will these stores recognize that and allow these people to do that? We don't know. We don't know how that stands. That was not mentioned in this particular article. But I would think any store that allows armed security would allow citizens with a permit to carry a gun legally in their store or with their permission in their store. Now, granted, someone who who was intent on doing harm and comes in there is not going to care what their policy or, or you know, what their policy is there about carrying guns. They're not going to care because they're there to do harm. They're there to do violence. That's they don't care about the law. The law means nothing to them. Rules mean nothing to them. They're breaking them to start with. But do these places have leeway for allowing officer or people? besides their security officers, to carry weapons in their store. That'd be interesting to know. Now, a lot of people just carry them anyway because, you know, they feel it's their right. And unless there's a, you know, unless they're asked to leave, in which case you turn around, you walk out, you say, I'll shop somewhere else. Thank you. Me, I have never seen a sign that says don't carry a gun into a store. So, you know, that's not a problem. Now, I do know courtrooms, certain public buildings, Airports beyond the security line. Obviously, you can't carry guns there. <clears throat> Those are hard and fast rules that have no flexibility. But as far as a private company telling me I have to sacrifice my Second Amendment rights when I walk into their building, their facility, which means the rules of the United States do not apply within the walls of their building, that strikes me as ridiculously weird. Does that mean the right to free speech, the right to seek and uh, <clears throat> Search and seizure do not exist within the walls of their building. Can they do whatever they want within the walls of their building? Probably not. Every other law is probably enforced 
except for the right to keep and bear arms. That's the one that they feel they have a right to ignore or to overlook or to deny people. Now, it'd be nice to see if most of these people would respect a carry permit or if your state has constitutional carry, do it like that. I would say if your state has a permit available and it's obtainable, even in a constitutional carry state, I would still get a permit anyway. They're minimally, they're minimally expensive. Usually they're very, very cheap. And it just gives you one extra layer of responsibility to show a law enforcement officer if he were to question your ability to carry. You know, even though a state has constitutional carry, get the permit anyway if you can. It also enables buying a weapon to be much easier and much faster because that automatically counts as your background check in, in a lot of states. So keep that in mind because I know a lot of people now – it's in the state I'm, I'm in, in Georgia. They just passed constitutional carry, and a lot of people are celebrating by saying, oh, I don't have to renew my gun permit. I don't want to. But the state of Georgia will still issue you one if you want it, which for me is worth it just in the purchasing arena for the weapons. Because, you know, if you want to buy one this way, you don't have to get the instant check or hope the instant check system is on or hope it's accurate. I've had friends who had the same name as somebody who wasn't allowed to buy a weapon, and without his permit, which had expired... Uh, several months before, he was not allowed to buy the weapon at that point. They did the instant check. It came back as a maybe. He had to wait three to seven days, and he was at a gun show. So the chance of him finding this vendor again outside of the gun show was going to be a lot more difficult because of the distance involved. Then he went and got his permit renewed, and then it was no problem. He could buy whatever he wanted because they had done the full background check. Now, a lot of times this is not a problem, but if it is or somebody is out there with the same last name as you – And the funny thing was the physical description of the person that was not allowed to get weapons was completely different than the friend who could buy them. It was crazy how obvious it seemed to most people, but because they shared a similar name, it became a problem. Well, that's your choice, though, I guess. If you want the permit, get the permit. If you have a choice to get one, I certainly would, just to add a level of responsibility to be seen by law enforcement as, oh, you're someone who's trying to do the right thing. So, and apparently if you were to be in one of these places where they didn't have armed security and you were arming yourself, and as long as they didn't have any issue with it, and even in a constitutional carry state, people can decide they don't want weapons in their place of business. That's, for some reason, you are allowed to violate someone's constitutional rights on that particular instance, which I don't understand at all. Well, and speaking of buying guns, <clears throat> this is something that came up this week that has just, oh, it's got me really irritated. And I don't know. I don't have all the details on this yet. But apparently, New York lawmakers and anti-gun activists wanted credit card companies to start requiring a special code for gun purchases. They said it was so the company could flag suspicious gun purchases. If you're buying it and you undergo the federal background check that is required for you to buy it, why would there be any suspicious purchases? That I don't understand. And do the credit card companies do this with any other product or service or anything that you can buy? I don't think so. This is going to be new invasion of privacy that's coming out. And from what I read here, it's MasterCard, Visa, and American Express are all getting into this volunteer program. There's no law asking them to do this. No law has been passed to say they need to do this. They're doing this as a voluntary action to help anti-gun people. Now, with Visa, MasterCard, and American Express 
putting these into a separate category so they can report them, I would suggest, you know, either pay cash, pay check, or use a different card. Like say Discover Card was not mentioned on this. So I would think a Discover Card is now if it's if they're not reporting this separately, a Discover Card would be the most gun friendly credit card that you could have. And I did a little research and Discover Card will pay you back percentage points in cash every year for using their card. So that would be another good reason to use them. <clears throat> But they're approving a certain creation of a certain merchant code for gun retailers. So the gun retailers, no matter what they sell, even if it's not guns, it's going to come under that code of a gun store. And I wonder how this is going to work with big box stores. Will everybody who buys anything at Academy or at a Walmart, whether it's gun-related or not, will that be tagged as something? I don't know. This is There's so much to be decided here how they're going to actually make this work. But now it says they're using it for gun for gun stores. And up until this point, all the gun stores were considered, um, was it just general merchandise? Like if you're buying at a Walmart or a Target or any big box store, that's all it was considered was general merchandise. It had no specific code to, to eliminate that. All right, we'll come back and talk about this in a few more minutes. i got to take a quick break. I am Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support, so please go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to the Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. If you want the truth about politics... We're back now. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about credit card companies um, developing a special code for anything sold in a gun store. And I don't know, like I say, the details aren't out on a lot of this, but the, the credit card companies have volunteered to do this. They have volunteered to, uh, I guess, discriminate against those who purchase things in a gun store. They have chose to develop this code. There's no law forcing them to do it. They decided to take it upon themselves at the behest of politicians and uh, in certain areas. It was, it was reported Elizabeth Warren was one who urged the CEOs of MasterCard, American Express, and Visa to make this change. 
Mass shooters have repeatedly financed deadly massacres using credit cards, and bank CEOs need to step up to save lives. Right. How are you going to know who's going to intend to use their weapon for harm, whether they use it on a credit card or not? How is that going to determine? This is basically tracking. This is more tracking. This is an invasion of privacy that these companies are trying to put onto you. Now, to avoid this, though... You know, you're going to have to pay cash, use a check, use a pay service that doesn't use that credit card or adds a layer of anonymity between what you're buying and the credit card. Now, I don't know how that would work if you're using a pay service. A lot of pay services do not allow their services to be used for guns. Like I know PayPal, for instance, you cannot purchase guns using PayPal, at least not according to their, you know, their policy. So I'm not saying you couldn't do it anyway, but I'm just saying their policy does not allow you to purchase weapons using PayPal. Now there's Venmo and Cash App and all these other places, and I just wonder if any of these are going to become more popular for gun purchases if they're allowed by policy. Or find a credit card that doesn't. Like I say, the Discover card was not mentioned in here, and I hope they hold fast and protect the privacy of their clients and their users. Because to have this universal across the board would just be a ridiculous invasion of privacy. I mean, could you imagine if... Why don't they do this for alcohol purchases? To have somebody know, anytime you purchased a beer... It goes down as a special code, and you'd be flagged and marked and researched, and people would look into your background to see if you're an alcoholic, if you're going to drive while you're drunk. Or if you go to a... uh, a, a cannabis shop wouldn't that be a great place to have a code if they even allow credit cards a lot of those places don't because that still violates federal law but could you imagine having special codes for every single thing they have that would be different because then it would be more universal but to just pick and choose certain industries and subject them to extra scrutiny to me does not sound like freedom at all that sounds like we're getting a little bit of socialism creeping in here because the government wants to know what you're up to they want to know what you're doing and they have no right to. So again, this is again, they're pushing for a cashless society. They don't want you to be able to buy anything with cash because they don't want to, they want to be able to track it. They want that credit card to have a record of every single thing you bought, every meal, every hotel room, every gun you bought, every car repair you made. They want to keep track of that. The government wants to know what you're doing. So you need, we need to stop this push for a cashless society. It is more convenient, and I understand that. However, it also, you give up so much privacy when you do that. But we were talking right before I left, I talked about the Warren said something about financing mass shootings. How are they going to know who's a mass shooter and who's not by following somebody's credit card records? Does that mean if you purchase more than two guns in one month, are you going to be flagged? Are you going to be investigated? Are you going to be looked at for someone who possibly is going to commit a mass murder? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with this information, but to me it sounds like tracking of weapons, which is illegal. Making a list of people who own weapons is illegal by the constitutional law. If they violate this, that would seem like a good place for a lawsuit. I guess at some point we'd have to get a, a lawyer on tap and see if they if this is legal in any way. I guess they're private companies, though, so they can do what they want. They can assign codes to every single thing they sell. Every single thing could have a different merchandise code assigned to it if they wanted to, and you would just have to suck it up and be subject to that unless you find a way around it. 
So I guess it's easier for most people to buy a gun with a credit card because they're, they're pricey. They're expensive. Not everybody has the cash right away. Spread it out over a few months. But how are you going to determine who's a mass shooter and who's not? I mean, I, right now there are rules in place where if you buy more than one gun in I think a week's period of time, then they actually put a little flag on that account when you purchase the weapon. That's a that's federal background check. We'll determine that. More than one gun in a week will get you flagged for possible investigation. Now, they may look at it and say, okay, it's Christmas time. He bought three twenty-two rifles. He's got three kids. Okay, that makes sense. He's buying his kids twenty-two rifles for Christmas. But still, the fact that they get a chance to up their investigation based on more than one weapon per week, that is pretty screwy. That's an invasion of privacy again. And these people just don't seem to care. They, it's not like they respect the Constitution at all. And I just wonder how many people are going to modify the way they buy guns now that this is in place. I mean, if you think about it, if you buy any guns online, which if you've done this before, you know it's fairly simple. You use your credit card. You purchase the weapon. They ship it to your local FFL, and you go pick it up there and complete the paperwork to get your background check done. Now, this, to me, this whole credit card thing, checking you and 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 flagging it. Well, not necessarily flagging it. They're just putting it under a separate code, but they're discriminating it from all the other purchases because it is in a gun store. So we're going to have to see how that pans out, if there's any privacy issues being violated. Although I wonder, since most credit, all credit card companies are, I believe, private companies, they can pretty much do what they want and make a code for whatever they like. And it's up to us, the citizens, the law-abiding citizens who want to defend our Second Amendment rights, it's up to us to stand up and say, no, we will not be tracked, we will not be treated differently, we will not be discriminated against by these financial institutions. And granted, I mean, these the credit cards are convenient, they're easy to use, they have rewards points. I mean, for what some people spend on credit cards, they could probably buy two or three guns a year just in the rewards points. So that's something, too, to consider. I mean, you don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face, but you want to protect yourself as well. So just consider that when you're buying a gun. I mean, like I say, there are probably credit card companies, at least as of now, that are not following this request from from lawmakers, but until they all come out and say they're backing down on this or changing it, I think using a credit card for gun purchases may be something you may want to put on hold if you possibly can. But what about illegal purchases? This is something I ran across a story today, actually, that uh, apparently full auto switchers are popping up on the radar now. These are switches or... Uh, pieces of a control of a fire system that will enable it to fire full auto. And usually they're very small, fairly insignificant, and very easy to install and and use. And they're wondering where a lot of this stuff is coming from. A lot of it's coming from China, but also they're running into 3D printed parts to make weapons fully automatic. Now this strikes me as odd because 3D printers are everywhere now. You can get a good 3D printer for under $100 and pretty much make anything you want because most of this stuff is available on the internet. There are files for almost every single thing you can think of. Somebody's made a file for it. Whether it's a plastic part to to fix a piece in your car or whether it's a full auto switch for your Glock, most of these can be had by finding the program online and running your 3D printer. 
Now, what this does is basically turns a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic weapon or fully automatic weapon, which is illegal for ownership in the United States without a special permit. And also... You cannot have anything full auto that was manufactured after 1986. So anything newly manufactured put into one of these weapons would, again, violate federal law. Now, it seems like federal law is kind of questionable anyway because marijuana is still a controlled substance, but yet states are passing or decriminalizing it and making it, I wouldn't say legal, but they're not prosecuting anybody who violates the federal law in those states. So I guess it's up to states to push for this or federal government if they're going to decide they're going to enforce this or not. But apparently a few of these devices have turned up in a few places, and they're thinking this is just going to be they're, – they're painting this as the next great gun crisis. Like, oh, my God, there's going to be automatic weapons all over the streets. It's going to be insane. We're going to have the Wild West. How, how are police and law enforcement supposed to defend themselves against this kind of firepower? And that's true. If people were breaking the law and doing it all over the place, this would give American citizens a way to have more firepower, without a doubt. Although there are plenty of things on the market now that allow fire rates to be increased tremendously without breaking the law. So if you're a law-abiding citizen, look for some of these items. I'm not going to tell you what they are because I don't want anybody to go out and start uh, telling the anti-gunners, oh, we need to stop, start restricting these. But if you're in the gun industry or you're a gun enthusiast, you probably have heard of these things. You probably can find them on the web. They can increase fire by up to twice, twice as much by the way they operate without violating any FFL rules, without violating any ATF rules. And they're fully, they're semi-automatic and they just help increase fire rates. But if you actually increase it to a full auto weapon, you are violating federal law. So keep that in mind. So if someone offers you one or you find one online, you want a 3D print, be aware you are violating federal law and you would be subject to prosecution without any hesitation if the ATF were to ever get wind of it or you were to use it in the wrong place and somebody would report you. Now, here's a quote. They said law enforcement officers in parts of the country are referring to this as the scariest thing that has hit the streets in a long time. And it's it's unfortunate that, you know, the criminals have right have access to this and will probably use them more than any law-abiding citizen ever will because law-abiding citizens know this is not legal and you don't want to be a lawbreaker if you can help it, especially when it comes to gun things. That just makes it that much harder to control those who would violate the law. So they're saying this has no legitimate civilian purpose. So there's no good reason to have one. This is, who was this? This was, oh, ah, Jeremy Stein, the executive director of Connecticut Against Gun Violence. Okay, we're going to come back in a minute, say more of what he says, and see if you have any opinions as to where this should go. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Stacey Abrams says yes to defund the police as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This November, say no to Stacey Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. 
Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Stacey Abrams wants to be our next governor, but listen to what she had to say about Georgia. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. Abrams will destroy Georgia with her socialist policies. Vote for Brian Kemp. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I am back. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Now, right before we left for the break, we were talking about, um, I guess, fully automatic conversion switches or sears or whatever they are. It's usually a very simple piece that can be added to any, any semi-automatic weapon to turn it into a fully automatic weapon. Now, there have been guys doing this for years. A lot of these things you can do with a zip tie if you want or removing one spring out of a fire mechanism. You can do it. It's easy to do. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but it's easy to do if you're willing to break the law to do it, which I highly do not recommend. I do not recommend doing this at all because it would put you in danger of being prosecuted for a felony, a severe felony, which could land you in jail for 10 years. Well, unless, of course, you're in a Democrat state where they don't really prosecute crimes. But anyway... This, uh, they were interviewing a police officer. Who is this? This is from Bearing Arms, bearingarms.com. Tom Knighton wrote this article, and he was pointing out something that I thought was really interesting, that the law enforcement officers were saying there's no legitimate civilian purpose. There's no good reason to have a fully automatic seer. Now, he was arguing that if the bad guys in your neighborhood have them, how are you going to defend yourself against them without having something to put you on equal footing? How are you going to be able to defend yourself against fully automatic fire if you don't have the right to the same protection? I mean, law enforcement officers too. Most law enforcement officers, unless they're in a big city and are issued some sort of assault weapon or fully automatic weapon, they don't have the ability to protect themselves from this as, as well either. Now, granted, most fully automatic weapons in the hands of amateurs are not as dangerous as you might think. Granted, they are more dangerous than a semi-automatic weapon, but it's still the control it takes to keep these things working properly and to make accurate hits, you know, is it does require additional training, and most criminals who build these things have no idea how to run them properly. But I guess the question is, if criminals get these things and they can run these guns fully automatic, why shouldn't... A citizen, a law-abiding citizen who's in good standing, be allowed to have one of these things. Makes sense to me. I don't see why you shouldn't be able to protect your family with the same thing the criminals are, are having or can get. Now, granted, they're breaking the law, so where do you draw the line there? 
But I guess you just have to see. And I beg you, if you look for this stuff, be careful. Even if you have a 3D printer, be careful where you look for things. Be careful where you try and find things because I don't want anybody getting in trouble. Even if you're just looking at stuff on some of these 3D printer sites with files, know what you're looking, know what you're getting into. And if you try and produce one of these things, know that just possession of it with the weapon it can be used in in the same household can be grounds for an investigation to determine if you've actually have violated the law and possession of one of these things is probably illegal and can get you in a world of trouble too so how do you do that don't do it stay away from it don't download anything don't manufacture anything that violates federal law and will get you into trouble it's just not worth it you know, now if the world falls apart and you need extra firepower for something, then the rules are going to change drastically at that point. So we'll have to see how that goes. Hopefully everybody will get out in November. You will vote for the people who will defend your gun rights and we will not have to worry about these, <clears throat> these politicians putting restrictions on, on all the law abiding citizens who are allowed to have weapons and whose right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It's that simple. You know, you can go to any number of Vietnam veterans, and they'll tell you that they seldom went to full automatic. Uh, sell what? Pardon? They sell what to fully automatic? Their weapons, uh, M16s. They very seldom went to full automatic oh, right, in, yeah, in a firefight. Right. They're not as effective on fully automatic in most cases. Very few cases do you really need fully automatic weapons. And that's one reason why they develop what's called a three-shot burst. Because on fully auto, you tend to hold the trigger down and what they call spray and pray. And the chance of hitting anything there has proven to be extremely unlikely. But with a three-shot burst, you tend to aim. I mean, you have to aim a weapon to make it work properly. And if you're just going to hold it from the hip and empty a magazine out into the woods, yeah, it's not as effective as you might think. So that's one reason why the three-shot burst was developed and why semi-automatic is usually proven in most cases to be more effective and uh, more efficient at protecting yourself. So, yeah, Vietnam vets will tell you that. In fact, in Africa, they were giving out FAL rifles, and they had the fully automatic switch on them. And they pulled them all back in and switched them to semi-automatic only, and the hits on targets went way up. People were able to defend themselves better than with the fully automatic weapons. So, yeah, that's that's generally true. What they ran into, though, they were in Connecticut, and they found these fully automatic switches for Glock pistols. And you think it's hard to control a fully automatic rifle. Try controlling a fully automatic handgun. It's just, you know, it's... Uh, it's just the training, you would have to have so much additional training to be able to use it effectively to make it work properly that most people would never get to that point. They just It's more just a toy for most people, I would think. A fully automatic machine pistol is not something that most people would find effective or useful in very many ways. So, in fact, most, even the handguns uh, or smaller submachine guns, usually have some sort of brace that they use against a shoulder or against a cheek to help stabilize them a little better in order to make them more effective. Because fully automatic small weapons are very difficult to control and not very effective. So keep that in mind. If you're looking at firing a fully automatic Glock, if you get a chance to do it, I highly recommend it. But you'll see immediately the range on these things is difficult 
at anything beyond a few yards because holding it steady is very difficult and making aim when you're firing a fully automatic pistol is nearly impossible. But still, like I say, fun if you get the chance to play with a legal one. It'd be fun. So, all right, let's get into one more thing today. The ATF and the pistol brace scenario. This has been going on for quite some time. When the pistol braces first came out, the ATF wrote a letter saying they were able to be used. They were providing additional help for people who are possibly disabled, so they made them legal. Then they decided if you pulled them up against your shoulder, you are violating the law because you're using it as a stock. And then they changed that determination to say, well, you can't really change the definition of an of a weapon just by how you use it. So then you could shoulder a pistol a pistol brace and not have any issues with that. It was just it went back and forth and now they're trying to come up on a final determination on, on this. Now keep in mind there are over a million of these pistol braces in circulation right now. So there are a ridiculously huge number of them and getting more every day. Because every small submachine type pistol, even semi automatic, is easier to fire when you can brace it against something, thus the name pistol brace. <clears throat> Whenever you can brace a pistol somehow or add a third point of contact somehow, that will give you a more accurate, usable weapon. Now, why wouldn't the government care? Why would the government care if you were more accurate with your weapon? That I don't understand. This seems like such a silly rule that rifles cannot have stocks if they're below a certain number of inches of barrel. If you have a 16-inch barrel rifle, you're fine. You have a 15-inch barrel rifle, that's a short-barreled rifle, and that suddenly falls under different uh, restrictions and is illegal except under federal law. Now, you can get a permit or a stamp to own a suppressor, short-barreled rifle, and various what they call any other weapons, which includes shotguns that are shorter-barreled and things like that. There are ways, you know, there are ways to get permits to get these weapons if you want them. However, to pay $200 for a tax to get a uh, stock rather than a pistol brace, to me, is hardly worth the time. The pistol braces are so similar to stocks that you really don't gain the huge advantage that you think you might be having a stock. Pistol braces give you more stability, more accuracy, and enable you to handle your weapon better. And more precisely. And I don't understand why the government would not want you to be as precise and accurate with any weapon you have. Why would that be an issue? Apparently, this was designed, this law was passed in 1934, and it's been in effect ever since. That, uh, some, for some reason, a a rifle with a shorter barrel cannot have a, a grip or a stock on it. You can't put a front grip on a pistol at all right now. That is illegal. As to why, I mean, I don't understand. It seems silly. Wouldn't you want to stabilize your weapon, make it as accurate as possible? I don't understand why the restriction is there. I wish somebody would fill me in on that. If you have anything, send me an email, roger at americaswebradio.com. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, I'll take them all. If you have a subject you'd like to see covered, by all means, let me know, roger at americasradio.com. But anyway, so the ATF is battling this again, and it looks like there might be a plan to register any firearm with a pistol brace on a Form 1, which is a Class 3 situation. You would have to register this as a Class 3 weapon. Now, the fact that they were purchased prior to this law, I wonder if that would 
exempt you from having to pay the $200 tax. At one point, they were talking about just having the law have to be having to register your weapon with a short with a pistol brace as a class three weapon, but not having to pay the $200 fee to get the stamp. So that would be something, too, to consider. I mean, even if it's free, though, you shouldn't have to register any weapon like this. It's semi-automatic. It doesn't do anything that any other rifle couldn't do. The difference between a 16-inch rifle and a 15-inch rifle is almost nothing. You'd be hard-pressed to determine a difference between the two. But yet one is considered a short-barreled rifle under Class three restriction, while the other one is just considered a standard rifle with no additional restriction other than you be able to purchase the weapon. So it's something to consider. Now, this the pistol bracing has been debated from day one. When it first came out, there was debate as to whether it was legal, whether it wasn't legal, whether it was something we should keep legal. And as of now, they are legal. They are helpful tools in making your pistols easier to fire, especially if you have a pistol chambered in a rifle-type caliber. 300 blackout, 556, 308, whatever it is. If you have a, a pistol chambered in a rifle cartridge, that is where these stocks become extremely handy. Even in a 9mm, if you've got a submachine gun looking pistol and you want to stabilize it better, the pistol brace is the best way to do it. It makes it so much easier to fire the weapon, more accurate, less error for missing a target if you have this on your gun. So why wouldn't the government say it's okay to be more accurate, less likely to have an accident with a gun you can aim properly? So that's something to consider also. And I don't know if they're going to do this or not. I don't know how they're going to do it or how they're going to plan to let it go. But it looks like it's if they give you a packet of information you have to fill out, they say it's going to cost about $57 to get this filled out, reviewed, checked back, and get your stamp back. And with the number, with them guessing on the number of responses, there's over a million pistol braces in circulation now. I think it's like 1.2 to 1.5 million somewhere, they guess. It is not a restricted item, so anybody can buy one without any kind of restriction online. They ship it right to your house. It's just a brace. It's nothing more than a way to handle your pistol easier and give it more stability. That's all it does. So, But now they're talking about possibly changing the classification on these, turning them into short-barreled rifles. Now, I don't know... You know, originally this came out as an assistance to handicapped people who had trouble firing a rifle-calibered pistol with one hand. So they added this as a brace to wrap around your forearm to give you more stability. And then they kind of evolved from there, pushing the limits each time further and further until they've evolved to what almost works as well as a stock. <laughs> so, which is why they're so popular, I think, because it just makes a short bear, uh, uh, Rifle caliber pistol, so much easier to control, so much more fun to shoot. And who doesn't want that? If you're going to shoot, you want to be good at it. So, and it says there's going to be an upcoming amnesty registration of pistol brace weapons. You'll have to provide a photo of the weapon registered and require to prove the pistol does utilize a brace in its configuration and would qualify for amnesty. Now, this would tell me that once it is put through as a braced weapon, would it be legal to add a stock to it? Could you change it to a short-barreled rifle? I don't know. That's something they have to consider, too. But if you have one or you have any idea of getting one and you want to make sure you have it before the registration period, that would not be a bad idea. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay a $200 tax to have a pistol brace on anything you own. 
So consider that. If you're thinking about building a, a, a handgun, a large handgun, whether it be 9 millimeter, 5.56, 308, AK, uh, 76239, whatever it is, whatever cartridge you want, if you're thinking about getting a large pistol that would benefit from having a brace, now might be the time to do it. You get it before the registration period starts, then I would imagine it would be grandfathered in and you could get it with the free, no-cost registration if they push for this. I just don't know. It would seem like it would backlog them so much. And they're saying estimated federal cost of the federal government would be approximately $1.1 billion to register all these short-barreled rifles or short-barreled pistol-braced weapons. All right, I got to take a quick break. I'll be back in a few minutes. I am Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Stacey Abrams says yes to defund the police as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This November, say no to Stacey Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives. As a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we were talking about pistol braces right before we left, and this to me is such an important thing because pistol braces make it so much easier to handle a rifle caliber pistol. Or yeah. even One thing that a <clears throat> lot of folks, if they haven't shot a lot of pistols, don't realize that a pistol will move up on you as you're shooting it. Right. And uh, giving it more control is the... Would making it more accurate would make it safer. You know, if you're less accurate, you're less likely to be a safe. Now, most of these are pretty large pistols, like machine gun-sized or submachine gun-sized pistols. And, you know, they're just more durable, and they're harder to shoot with one hand. Even two hands, you can have two hands on it. But without that extra brace, it makes it a lot less accurate. And less accuracy, less safety. So why would the ATF want to make a weapon less safe in the hands of civilians? I have no idea. That seems... Uh, counterproductive to say the least. Now I got some new numbers here. I didn't, uh, I just got some new numbers in this, which apparently I was off on my numbers. There are over 4 million pistol braces in the United States as far as they know. At least 4 million. Since they are not registered parts or registered as guns or anything like that, you can purchase them separately. They, this is just an estimation, and I'm sure this number goes up daily. So there's over 4 million of these. And the rumor has it that it's there will be an amnesty period where gun owners will be able to register their braced pistols as short-barreled rifles and get a free tax stamp. You would not have to pay for the registration. 
So that would be interesting to get a few extras of these set up to go. So that way you could register these as a pistol brace. And then I guess once it's registered as a short barreled rifle, you could put whatever stock or whatever thing you wanted on it. And that would be legal. And you would have your free tax stamp. Now keep in mind, any sale of that weapon after that would be under class three regulation and you would have to transfer it with a tax stamp with an additional $200 fee to transfer that stamp to the new owner. So don't put these on anything you plan on selling quickly because it probably would not be good for resale to have a pistol brace on a weapon that was registered as a short-barreled rifle. It just, you know, it wouldn't make much sense because everyone can get their own short barrel rifle registered too. If you have to pay the $200 fee, why not get an actual stock instead of paying for a pistol brace? But that will probably limit the sales of a lot or resales of a lot of these pistol brace weapons. And normally they get a $200 fee for this and this would be given away in an amnesty period. You would not have to pay the fee. So that would be pretty interesting. Now last year they, the ATF posted the proposed pistol brace rules to the Federal Register, which allowed for public comment. There were over 250,000 comments were submitted, with most comments being against any new regulations. So the gun community really stood up and let their voices be heard, and then the ATF ignored them. So they're not going to pay attention to this anyway. Now, it's funny that these things have been kicking around for a while. These pistol braces have been around, I think, coming up on 10 years now, if I'm not mistaken. It was in the early 2000s or mid-2000s they came up with the pistol brace idea as a way to help people with limb loss be able to control their weapons better. And other people, even without limb loss, found them easier to control a weapon with having these braces on. So we're going to have to see how this proceeds from here. If everybody with a pistol brace has to register as a short-barreled rifle, that would probably, I mean, imagine 4 million registrations within, you know, a year or whatever grace period they have within so many months or so many years of when the grace period starts and ends would just overwhelm the ATF, I think, to the fact that they would just be ridiculously overworked. They would never get everything done in a timely manner. So you could have these weapons probably for years before any kind of restrictions would literally be put in place or they'd be able to enforce them. And I just wonder, I mean, most people don't want to register any weapons beyond what they already have. If you have a weapon, you register, you purchased it, you filled out your 4473 form, do you want to add additional restriction onto that by putting a pistol brace on it? I don't know. But if you get a free SBR out of it or short barrel rifle out of it, maybe it's worth it to build a couple of these up the cheapest possible way and then have these in reserve as short barreled rifles that are pre-registered and ready to go. Because <clears throat> I imagine once it's registered as a short barreled rifle, you can change the brace to whatever you want. And I wonder if that would allow you, since it was a short barreled rifle, you'd also be able to put a vertical grip on the front of it as well. That would be an interesting thing to see, be able to get the front grip and the and a stock on these guns that just started off as pistols. It seems like they're going to open up the barn door to have people register hundreds of these things or millions of these things <clears throat> and then modify them further into following the rules of the SBRs rather than the rules of the pistol braces unless they set up some sort of additional restriction saying you can't change it once it's registered as a certain way. But uh, <clears throat> these weapons have become extremely popular because they're so good at making it effective. Turning a weapon that's generally a 
a, uh, I guess a novelty item into something that is very effective, easy to control, and gives you additional firepower with accuracy that you've never been able to have before without going to a short barrel rifle. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> Well, we'll see. I mean, this has to come out. They got, it still has to go through office management, budget files. There's all kinds of things that have to be done to see what this is going to take. They're going to have to come up with some forms to, f- to get filled out, packets to send in. And they're going to have to find a way to process all these in some sort of timely manner, I think. Hopefully, they'll realize this is so much work and it's going to give them so little in the way of effectiveness as far as uh, changing the rules or enforcing the rules or anything like that to where they're going to look at it and say, you know what, it's just not worth it. And I'd be fine with that. Leave pistol braces the way they are. Leave them as easy to get as they are. I, all it does is make a gun safer. So you're going to keep people from having safer guns by making them not be able to have a brace to better control a weapon that they have anyway. <clears throat> There's something to be said for that. Hopefully they'll come to their senses and realize it's not worth the time and or the effort to try and register over 4 million pistol braces as SBRs. And that's got to just, I mean, right now, I think the time, the wait times have been shrunken some, but they are still several months to get any SBR or any suppressor registered and get the paperwork back on it. So can you imagine throwing 4 million more applications into the mix all at one time like that? They would probably have to have the amnesty period would probably have to be extended for one because just for them to receive all the mail that it would take to get those processed would be overwhelming, I would think. They would take one look at the bags and bags of mail they were getting in every day and realize, oh, my God, what have we done? We opened up the floodgates. Because I don't know the numbers on registered SBRs per year now. I'm sure it's not as high as the number of pistol braces sold, obviously, because the background check is more stringent and <clears throat> the pistol braces are nearly as effective as actually having a stock. So that's something to consider also. Maybe that's why they're going after them because they still stuck on the short barreled rifle business. It just seems so silly that that's even a, even an issue. I don't even know why it was first initially you know, brought out as illegal, what made them think that something with less than a short 16-inch barrel was not going to make a good rifle? Who knows? But in any case, we'll have to see how this pans out. I would love to see them just drop this and decide it's not worth their time and leave it the way it is. That would be absolutely phenomenal because the pistol braces are great. I love using the ones I've used prior. I love having them. They make a great huge difference in making a weapon much more effective, much more accurate, and much safer. So let's hope they stick to this and get this done. Now, I keep mentioning rifle caliber pistols. They're also used on some larger pistol caliber pistols, which makes no sense at all. But um, if you have a carbine or a submachine gun style weapon that fires pistol cartridges, but is not allowed to have a, or that doesn't have a brace on it, it is much more awkward, much more <clears throat> difficult to fire accurately because it's much heavier than a standard pistol. So this is something where they really come into play. When you have a 9mm and a large, you know, either an AR platform or a NP5, a Scorpion, uh, you know, there's a million different weapons that use pistol caliber cartridges. In a little larger 
a submachine gun type platform in a semi-automatic form only. And to have these with a pistol brace makes them that much more effective, that much easier to shoot, and to me, that much safer. Why wouldn't you want to make guns safer, easier to shoot, and more accurate? Have less have less likely a time with misfires or negligent discharges trying to handle a weapon that was never designed to be handled without some sort of brace or stock on it from the beginning. But because of the crazy laws we have in this country, they remove the part that made it as safe and accurate as possible. So go figure that out. But if you want one, now might be the good time to get after that. Go try and find one, purchase one, even if you just purchase a receiver with a stock on it or purchase the pistol brace itself and put it together later. I guess now pistol braces do not have, I don't think most of them have serial numbers on them. So I don't know how they're going to register just a brace. You would probably have to install it on some sort of weapon before you were allowed to register it, which means I don't know if you have braces that are uninstalled, how those would be registered. Would you have to put them on a weapon before you register them? And it doesn't say how long the amnesty period would be. I would imagine... It would probably be quite a while, many months, maybe even a couple of years to get everything registered, sent in, all the packets analyzed, permits and and tax stamps sent out to be able to keep this weapon the way it is. And hopefully, if that's the case, you'd have time to buy the pistol brace, put it on something later at, at your determination to decide how you want to use it. But I have a feeling if this law goes into effect or they decide to limit these or turn them into SBRs, the demand for these pistol braces is going to go through the roof. It's going to be very difficult to find one because a lot of people will be stockpiling and hoarding them in the anticipation of getting a free short barrel rifle out of it. Because once the short barrel rifle is developed or once the brace is on it and you register it, it is going to be registered as a short barrel rifle. So keep that in mind. With your shopping, like I said, if you want one, now would be a really good time to start looking for one before they start making them illegal. Okay, everybody, take care. Here we go. I am Roger B. You've been listening to Lock and Loaded on America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.